Good morning. We have two passages this morning. One will be read exactly from the Bible, and one will be a dramatic reading that you could follow in the Bible if you wish to. So we're starting on page 113, if you wish to follow it, which is Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. This is not for the squeamish. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, a woman who becomes pregnant and give birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter, for two weeks the woman will be unclean, as during her period. Then she must wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is bringing to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. If she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her, and she will be clean. Next, we're going to Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 to 40, and that in my Bible is on page 1028 to 29. Uh, We're going to do this as a kind of dramatic reading. I haven't warned uh, Kevin at the back. Can I? Oh, you've done it. Uh, So we're going to do this as a dramatic reading. I'm going to be... uh, a second voice, so it will be self-explanatory. Today's reading tells Luke's account of the Holy Family visits to the temple, presenting baby Jesus as required by the Jewish biblical law. Luke writes, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in God's law, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to God. And they offered a sacrifice, according to what is stated in God's law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen God's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took the babe in his arms and praised God, saying, Eternal One, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began praising God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by God's law, Mary and Joseph returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favour of God rested upon the child. Here ends the reading. May God bless our hearing with understanding. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth, meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight, O God. Amen. So I forgot to mention this service is also for many in the olden days when they took the Christmas decorations down. Would you believe it? So uh, if you've still got the tree up, please, for the sake of your neighbours and that, take it down. Um, But uh, it's a very special drama which we see uh, painted before us in that reading today, the Old Testament squeamish one that... uh, we, we had was also quoted in our gospel reading. Uh, and what Mary was doing when she was coming to the temple was fulfilling and obeying that law, that Jewish law in coming to the temple. And what I want us to do this morning as, as I speak around this drama is for you to see uh, three characters that I'm going to refer to. And in a sense, it's a cheeky way of having a three-point sermon and the three characters are the three points. So, but first of all, the central role of the, uh, is the character of Jesus, of course, uh, and uh, it, it's um, important that we point out some things from this passage that refer to Jesus. Uh, but also, then there's the lead supporting actor, a guy called Simeon, uh, and the lead supporting actress, a lady uh, called Anna, and we'll talk about each of them. And then, of course, there's the extras, which is those who were in the temple at the time to witness all that. And we can be like them. So, in effect, we can be in the temple here today. We can imagine Simeon, Anna, Anna, and the baby Jesus going on behind us, maybe even in this magnificent dome behind us, just to paint the sort of temple scene. And um, what... Uh, what I want us to do is, is just pick up on some of the things that's said uh, about Jesus. It says in verse 21, which is the verse just before uh, our reading started in 22, it said, when the time was right, on the eighth day, the child was circumcised. He was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I'll read that again because it's a verse we haven't heard uh, in the reading. When the time was right, on the eighth day, the child was circumcised. In the Leviticus reading, eighth day was mentioned. Uh, the child was circumcised. He was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And what I want us to notice about that is Luke doesn't focus on the circumcision. Luke actually focuses on the name. And I don't know if, if you go through, I mean, maybe when you get home, if you read through this, the gospel again, uh, just notice how many times in the passage it talks about the child, but only once in, I think, the, the NIV, only once it names him Jesus. And it, it almost stands out like in, in, in technicolor, 
the name Jesus, whereas all other places in this passage, it refers to him as the child. And that's, I believe, because Luke is trying to point out to us that the divine purpose of this child was in his name. The message was in his name. The name Jesus, Yeshua, means Savior or Rescuer. And Christianity is a faith, a religion, if you want to go that far, of being rescued. It's, it's a faith of people that are saved, rescued. And it's totally different to any other faith that you will find out there. It's not about self-help techniques of, of mindfulness. It's not about emptying your mind so that you can have space uh, for whatever goes on in the emptiness of your mind. The, the Christianity is about filling your mind, filling your heart and your lives with Jesus through the Holy Spirit so that he can then overflow through that fullness to others. Our faith is about us being saved and rescued so that we can overflow to others. Christianity is totally different from any other faith that there is to encounter. And it says, before conception in the womb, that the Trinity was at work. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were busy with Mary, preparing her to receive the Savior of the world. And it's all in his name, Jesus. And notice as well that what the prophetic word that's said afterwards of Simeon, I don't think I'll mention this later, but stop me if I do. Um, but Simeon talks about him being the one who will cause the fall and the rise of many. Now, that's a strange order of rise and fall we would not naturally want to say. And even in, in, in the Greek, it would be natural to say rise and fall if it was just a figure of speech. It says the fall and rise of many. And it seems Luke is trying to make us think that he would bring many of us to our knees so that he can lift us up. The Savior will rescue people who will fall before him. The fall and the rise of many, and those are his people who he chooses, who are rescued, who receive him in their hearts. Also, I haven't time to get into too much detail, but uh, through what Mary and Joseph were doing that day in the temple was fulfilling the law. And uh, the people would say that Jesus was a bit of a rebel. It's a trendy thing to see him with sort of Che Guevara look on your t-shirts if you're as old as me. Um, Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus kept the law. And he said um, in Matthew chapter 5, and we get this next week, that's why I don't want to go into it in too too much detail. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. Jesus fulfilled the law. He lived a life of perfect life so that he could take our sin and our shame upon himself so that he could rescue us. We get his righteousness. He got our sin and our shame. That's how he is our Savior, and it's all in his name, Yeshua, Jesus.
That's the center character in our drama. The lead supporting actor is a man called Simeon. He's an old guy. Have we got a picture of Simeon? Oh, he's... There we are. Simeon, uh, it says of Simeon that he is a righteous, a righteous man and devout, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Simeon, I would love somebody to say that about me. Isn't that something to aspire to as Christians? Simeon was a righteous man and devout, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. And these are three qualities that we can learn from here this morning. We can aspire to and even ask the Lord and help us to yearn to have that as part of our characters as Christian people. Simeon was righteous. If we are to be open to God's promptings, to be in the right place at the right time, then we are to be righteous. But that's not something you can do off yourself. It's not that you can pull yourself up by your own bootstrings and say, I'm going to be good today. As soon as I get up and say, I'm going to be Mr. Nice Guy today, you know, I'll drive up the Medina Valley dual carriageway. Some idiot will drive in front of me trying to get to the roundabout before me. I mean, what's that going on about? I want that guy to be struck down. (coughs) Mr. Nice Guy has gone. It doesn't take me long to become the sinner here on the Isle of Wight. I can't do it off myself. I can't help myself sometimes. And then the little voice of the Lord whispers to me, how many times have I let you in? How many times have you come to me and said, please pardon me one more time. And if I can get that person back, I'll let everybody in in front of me. So, um, But Mr. Nice Guy is not something I can do of myself. But as I yearn for the righteousness that he can do within me, I'm actually praying that his fruit of the Holy Spirit will grow within me. The love, the joy, and the peace, the patience. And then the, the Medina way guy comes in front of me, and I remember the word patience, the kindness, yeah, get in, uh, the goodness, the gentleness, yeah, get in in front of me, everybody. That's the way it can help us, self-control. And that's the righteousness that he can do within us as we yearn for it. Simeon was a righteous man. And that's because Christ in us is our righteousness. So let us yearn for righteousness. He was also a devout man. So if righteousness is actually the way we relate to other people, that might surprise you, me saying it like that. If righteousness is the way we relate to other people, how we are with, in an other version of, of this uh, scripture, it says Simeon was a just man. And that's how we are with others. If righteousness is about how we are with others, then devout is how he was in his devotions to God. He was a devout man. Here was a man who was so much in touch with God that, as I said, he was at the right place at the right time. 
He could be because he was in touch with God so much at the right place in the right time that he got to hold the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he was able to speak uh, for God's, God's words of prophecy over the child for all to hear. As I said, that he would cause the fall and the rise of many. As I read about Simeon, I wondered, how could I be that type of person who would be at the right place at the right time in my daily life? Type of person who speaks out God's words. He gives you a picture and you, you give it to the right person or bring it to the church. Or he, he leads you to say a gentle word to someone. And that word is the right one because that person has been prepared to see you at that place in that time. How could I be that person like Simeon that God would guide me so definitely? The type of person who speaks God's words and prays for others. Well, I think it's linked to the third little phrase in that verse, the Holy Spirit rested on him. And the word, the fact that it says the Holy Spirit rested upon him, I think we're meant to think of like a gown or a mantle resting upon him like a cloak. Uh, It's not that he didn't have the Holy Spirit within him. As a child of Christ, you are born again, and that uh, comes within you. But the Holy Spirit rested upon him. Uh, Some controversy happened in the 1970s, which people were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, And that's what they were talking about, the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And it wasn't meant to think that you didn't really have the Holy Spirit. It It was meant to think you were being drenched, like a baptism. Like a sheep goes into the sheep dip and he gets drenched. He's totally washed. I've heard one preacher say that, well, why didn't that happen to me when I first believed? And the answer of the preacher was that I got all of the Holy Spirit when I believed, but he didn't get all of me. And so as we submit ourselves over and over and over to him, then it allows the Holy Spirit to prepare us for a drenching so that the Holy Spirit will be upon us. And I want that to be said of me. I want to to be so full of the Holy Spirit that I say his words, and I hope you can echo that in your heart too. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon us like a gown, it's not like... When we had the Toronto blessing and all the, the, the blessings that have, have come in recent church history, uh, people talked about a fifth, and they, the, the, the people that were uh, making fun of it were, were saying it was just a funny internal feeling, a fifth. And people were going forward in meetings so they could get a fifth, and they liked falling over, they liked you know, that feeling of floating. And these were people that perhaps didn't understand this sense of the Holy Spirit coming upon people and what was actually happening. We don't seek this for a funny internal feeling. We seek it to be filled to overflowing so that, like Simeon, we can be full to go out to others. We can be full to splash, if you like, those that we mix and mingle with, that we can be full to bring his word, that a word just comes, a scripture. 
so that you can drop it into the right person. Not like throwing hand grenades at people uh, so that you, you, you hope that your bombs that you're throwing at people will, will maybe strike a few. With, with, I'm talking about the way we would maybe use tracts and things. I'm saying this can be different. It can be that the Holy Spirit will give you a word so that in the gentle way that you approach someone, it can be the right place and the right time for you to speak to that word. That's because the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon, and it can be something that we can yearn for, something we can long for. And if you've never received that baptism, if I call it that again, of the Holy Spirit, then we, we can pray for you here today as well. You can receive that fullness of the Holy Spirit here today. Famously, it was said of D.L. Moody, somebody heckled him when he was preaching. He said, were you filled with the Holy Spirit when you first believed? It was a contentious question. D.L. Moody said, yes, but I leak. So all of us can come and receive again here today. We all leak. So come to the third character in our drama. Simeon, the leading actor. Uh, Anna, the leading actress. And we know very little about the prophet Anna. So that's how she's described. There's three verses in the Scriptures, and that's what we know about her. Luke chapter 2, 36, 37, 38. That's the life story of all we know about Anna. We know her father's name, Phanuel. We know her tribe was Asher. We know she was married for seven years and her husband died. We don't know anything more about that story except that she was a widow. Now, you could either read it that she was a widow for 84 years or she was 84 years. There's slightly uh, some disagreement about whether she was 84 or whether she was 84 years a widow. And if she was 84 years a widow, then this lady was over 100 years old. But it says of her that she was constantly in the temple. Quote, She did not depart from the temple, but served God with prayer and fasting day and night. Verse 38. And in our drama that we had when we read is to the presentation of Jesus in the temple, um, we can really see that she truly is the best supporting actress when you read what happened there of her. Verse 38, at that moment it says, she began to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So what can we learn from the best supporting Actress, well, we can learn that she's waiting. She's waiting for the Messiah. We can learn that she's devout. But what of waiting? Waiting's hard. Some of you come here today and you're waiting. What are you waiting for? I'm not asking you to give me the right answer, which is that Jesus has returned. Um, what are you waiting for? Is, is it a healing are you waiting for something that you, is an ache to be taken? You're grieving and you're still waiting to come through? Are you waiting for some financial upturn? Are you waiting for something to go right with your job instead of wrong? 
There's people here, we're here and we're waiting, and waiting is hard. And we're praying into those situations of the waiting. And, and many of us don't know what the person next to you is waiting for, but you can, in your mind's eye now, think, yeah, I'm waiting for that. But nobody in here really knows it. Waiting is hard. Anna was waiting. There's nothing to show for waiting. You don't get brownie points for waiting because it's, it's something that's going on within. And if it's something, a crisis or something that's just stopped you in your tracks, like an illness or some bad news, then the whole world carries on. And you think, what's the world doing? The world should be stopping now because I am waiting for this. Waiting is hard. Hard and painful. But Anna was waiting with hope because she was praying into situations that she was in. She was fasting and she was depending on the promises because she knew that the promises that she'd read in the Scriptures would be true, that God would not forsake her, that those promises are true. Anna, Anna's hope was not an anxious hope that I hope it'll work out. That's not the type of hope that the Scripture talks about. Anna's hope realized that her prayers will merge with the promises and will come together. Anna's hope knew that the Holy Spirit will inspire us to yearn for those things to pray for and will well up within His people to pray for things that will fulfill God's purposes if we humble ourselves and pray. 2 Chronicles 2 Chronicles 7. If we humble ourselves and pray, God will forgive our sins, heal our land. Anna's case wasn't just about praying, it was prayer and fasting. Waiting is hard, but waiting with hope, waiting with the Scriptures open, gives us hope and will help us to yearn for the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do within us. Prayer like that, when you say it's not being answered, prayer is actually changing you in that type of prayer and fasting. What an example Anna is to each one of us. Like Simeon, I wish people would say that I was uh, praying like that. I wish people could think that I was as devout as that. If Simeon was devout, as the Scripture said, then I would say Anna was probably turbo-devout. She was turbo-devout. If you read, she was constantly in the temple. She was constantly depending on the promises. She was uh, regular in her devotions. Uh, She was devoted to reading the Scriptures and prayer and praising God. Uh, I'm um, expanding that a little bit. But very definitely praying and fasting was part of her normal way of devotion. Anna was turbo-devote. And it's, again, something that we can 
aspire to. So how, what would that look like if I was to be turbo devote? Uh, what, what would it look like if you were turbo devote? It doesn't mean you're going to try and get them to open this door so you can come and clean the brass every day, though I'm sure they will do if you offer. <clears throat> it might mean that you're in the scriptures every day. It might mean you have a quiet time every day. And if you say, oh, I already do that. Well, if it's five minutes, let's do ten. If it's ten minutes, let's do fifteen. Let's make a decision here today that you want to be turbo-devote so that the Holy Spirit can work within you and through you. We can make that start today. If you haven't got any Bible notes, you can order some. If you say, I don't know where to start, then pick a book, pick Galatians, pick some of the letters and just work your way through it and take time to work through those letters. Mark Gospel is the shortest of the Gospels. Start there. You can start something today. One of the people I've met in my past is uh, somebody who... um, a man called Dennis Clark, and uh, Dennis Clark, somebody made a big influence in my life. He was a preacher and teacher, South African actually, and um, he uh, started Youth for Christ when he came over to England, and he's also started Intercessors for Britain. He uh, cared for the family and stuff like that. that that's organizations that, that started with this man whose name you probably don't know. A wonderful Bible teacher. Uh, I was fortunate enough to come under his influence and be kind of mentored by him when I was a young man. The thing I noticed about him when he was preparing and doing his prayer and Bible weeks, which he became quite well known for at Ashburnham House and places like that, um, the thing he became known for was his preparation. He he wouldn't read commentaries. Uh, He just spoke from the Word. And he said and used to say that his preparation was in his prayer times. And uh, in the times when he stayed in our house and some of the times when my, my parents put him up, that he, he would come down for breakfast and then at about after breakfast he would go up and he would spend all morning in prayer, in preparation. He wasn't studying. He wasn't with commentaries. He was in prayer. Seeking the Lord for a word for that night or whatever. Now that's turbo devote. I think you English people say devout, do you? So. Turbo. That's something we can aspire to. Now it's not, again, about doing it of yourself. It's about yearning for it and seeking for it so that you can be at the right place at the right time like Simeon and Anna were so that the Lord can speak through you as you go out and, and, and meet with others. And that's our drama for today. That's our Lord, the central character. That's Simeon, best supporting actor. That's Anna, the best supporting actress. But wait a minute. We also mentioned the extras. And I want to just conclude with the extras. There's more, as the Irish comedian said. The extras are part of this story. And as I read it, it just caught my eye that Anna, 
spoke to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I've never noticed that before when I read it. Anna spoke to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. We don't know who these people were. Uh, We know that they weren't people that were tourists coming in to look at the temple and and do whatever tourists do in the temple. They were there uh, looking forward for the redemption of Jerusalem. And here in this special moment, they got to witness too. Anna probably holding the Christ child too. Simeon definitely holding the Christ child. And she spoke to all who were looking forward. As I've alluded to earlier, waiting is hard, painful, but it can also be lonely. Waiting can be lonely. But waiting together is a real strength. Waiting together, like maybe some of you feel we're doing here today, waiting together can be a real strength. When one person doubts, when one person starts to waver, the other person can encourage you and say, no, let's stick with the course. Let's stick with this. Let's wait together. Let's trust that the Lord is doing a work in us and that the Lord has a purpose in the waiting. Waiting together in community is a strength. And I believe these people might be just a little prayer group that Anna knew. She spoke to those. These people weren't there just by accident. She spoke to those people because they were looking forward. Maybe it was a prayer group that met, praying forward for that day when they would see this Christ child. Waiting together gives us strength to do what we do every day, which is uh, seek the Lord's purposes for our lives, to pray for our friends and our relatives and our acquaintances and our, our neighbors and people in this parish to come to faith, to come to know our Lord Jesus as their Savior. Some of you have heard the little acronym, Team Together, Everyone Achieves More. Have you heard that before? Together, everyone achieves more. Waiting together as a team is strengthening. Those people, those extras that were gathered weren't named as we are not named here today. But they're still looking forward to that day when the Lord will bless others and fulfill His purpose through us here at St. Paul's, here on the island, here in the UK, here through the Church of England or whichever denomination you associate with, waiting for Him to reveal Himself in great power and great glory when He returns again. What a day that will be. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that it is a living word and that we can just open its pages and learn and feast from that bread of heaven. Continue to bless us, Lord, as we seek you and as we meet in communion around this table. Lord, if anyone wants to receive 
blessing or wants to receive Christ for the first time, then give them the courage to to speak forward, to come forward and speak out later in the service. We ask it in your precious name. Amen.